Hello and welcome to Servant's Heart Chapel. I am Pastor Daryl, and I hope today's episode is a special blessing to you. Matthew chapter 10. It's interesting where this later this week is St. Patrick's Day. And I'll be starting off um, the sermon with uh, the story of St. Patrick. Not intentionally, actually, I just happened, I had a little notation in my Bible uh, for Matthew chapter 10, and it just said St. Patrick's story, and it fits. So, and what's funny is at the end of my sermon today, I'm, I'm going to be using something from another Irishman. I, not intentionally, just how it's worked together, so we have a St. Patrick theme to today's sermon by Ian Call, which makes sense because <clears throat> Patrick's uh, calling was very unique. When you talk about St. Patrick's Day, you hear a lot of people talking about going and drinking green beer uh, or some kind of alcoholic beverage. That's usually what you hear about people going and getting intoxicated anymore. Uh, but there's actually... Uh, a, it used to mean something. I'm sure it still does to, to many Christians around the world, um, but, but not very many. Because March 17th remembers Patrick as the one who led 5th century Christian missions to Ireland. Unlike Britain, the Emerald Isle was beyond the bounds of the Roman Empire. The Irish were considered uncivilized barbarians. Many thought their illiteracy and volatile emotionalism put them outside the reach of the gospel. But Patrick knew better. In a strange and beautiful turn of providence, he spent six years among them as a captive, learned their language, and developed a heart for the Irish like Joseph sold into slavery to one day save Egypt and his brothers. So God used Patrick. He sent Patrick into slavery to prepare Ireland for a coming salvation. I found this interesting article from Desiring God about Patrick. He was born in the late 4th century. Some say somewhere around 385. In what is now Northeast England. He was born among the Celtic Britons. To a Romanized family of Christians. His father was a deacon. His grandfather a priest. But his parents' faith didn't find a place in his heart early on. In fact, in his youth, uh, someone quoted that he, Patrick lived toward the wild side in his youth. Kind of like Augustine in his youth. It was a part, they were partiers. That has not changed in thousands of years. 
So he had a wild streak. God arrested him with severe mercy. He was kidnapped at age 16 uh, by Irish raiders and taken back to Ireland where he served as a slave for six years under a tribal chief who was also a druid. While a slave in Ireland, God opened his eyes to the gospel of his childhood. It was as a captive that he came to understand the Irish Celtic people and their language and culture with the kind of intuitive intuitiveness that is usually possible only from the position he was in as a servant. When he eventually escaped slavery, he was a changed man. Now, a Christian from the heart, he studied for the ministry and led a parish in Britain for nearly 20 years. That could have been the end of the story. He was 48 years old at this point. He could have just relaxed from there. But at 48, something amazing happened. He had a dream, which proved to be his own version of Paul's Macedonian call. In this dream, an Irish accent pleaded, we appeal, and I'm not going to try the Irish accent, by the way. You can thank me later. We appeal to you, holy servant boy, to come and walk among us. And that dream, he woke up from it and it just struck him to the heart. Instead of coasting on a cushy retirement, he gave 28 years to the nation-changing evangelism of Ireland. The Apostle Patrick, the Apostle of Ireland, was called forth by God to bring Christianity to the people. And he answered the call. And by answering the call, he helped transform a nation. To call forth. We don't use that term very often. It means to give a command, to give orders. I understand that. I received a number of orders in my military career, and usually you have, you can mean a couple different things when you say orders. Uh, You can mean uh, official document. ordering you to complete a a very significant move, whether um, moving to a particular military base or orders to go to war or orders to retire. Those are the nice orders. 
In between the big ones, I was given orders on a daily basis from my commanding officers, and I obeyed. As long as the way I figured it, as long as the orders were ethical, I never gave it a second thought. I thought the orders weren't that bright. It was going to waste time or waste money. It wasn't efficient. But I, I didn't question them if it was just that. I, why? Because I, 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 I followed the orders because I'd surrendered myself to their authority. Did you know God has given you orders? Have you surrendered yourself to God's authority or do you only follow what's convenient? When we speak of uh, a calling in the spiritual sense, it's usually related to ministry. Someone being called to preach or called to missions or called to be a Sunday school teacher. And that's understandable. That's a common, common usage of the term. God called me to the ministry. It took a while for me to figure that out. About a decade or so. About 11 years. No. Yeah, about 16 years. <clears throat> I... I, you know, I was in Bible college and I was a teenager and I, I felt like maybe God was calling me to preach. And, and so I told others about it and I got invited to preach. And, and, and then this big opportunity for a ministry opportunity opened up and I was so excited. I thought, well, this is God's will. And then all that, that opportunity was, was closed shut. And I began to question whether God really called me to preach or if, if I if I just imagined it because may, all my buddies were in the ministerial program, they were studying to be preachers. So I prayed and, and followed things, and God led me along uh, in growth, in personal and spiritual growth, for a long while, until the night when God sanctified me in two thousand eight, and then after that, then almost immediately, the pastor of our church asked me to, to be assistant pastor. He said, God has called you to preach. He had never said that before until God sanctified me. And I, I was a little unsure about it. But I said, well, I don't know if God actually called me to preach, but I'll take advantage of whatever opportunity God affords. And clearly God's called me to preach. God called me and I followed him. There, 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 there's a theme here. We're going to see. God called Patrick and Patrick followed. God called me and I followed. But God's calling, when we talk about calling or his orders, it's more than just a calling into the ministry of some kind. There, there's uh, I, All of us are called to do various things, to be various things, and we're going to go over those shortly. But right now, 
Let's take a moment to look at Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at Christ calling the disciples into apostleship. This is a significant moment. because The disciples are going to be apostles. They are going to be the first Christians. That, uh, and they're going to be given orders to bring a new reality to a lost and dying world. One of chapter 10, summoning in Matthew, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. Game authority. They had, the apostles had this very difficult task of telling everyone that they were wrong about God. Can you imagine? Small group of guys, 12, they go out in the community now and tell everybody you're wrong about your thought, about your perception of and understanding of God. It's going to be hard for anybody to take them seriously, isn't it? So Jesus had to empower them to give them authority, authority over unclean spirits, right? And authority over sickness. Today, you know, God does answer prayer and delivers people from demonic possession, but not all the time. God answers prayer and heals people. But not all the time. It is dependent upon whether that healing uh, or that deliverance is, 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 is what God wants. How he's ordered things for that individual. And maybe others too. The apostles could do this anytime. And there's a reason for that, because people had to take them seriously. And it was to the point where if, if Peter's shadow fell across somebody, they'd be healed. They wanted, they had to, to demonstrate that God was behind them. This wasn't a cult. So God empowered the disciples to accomplish their mission. I've always appreciated that about God. Whatever He gives us to do, He empowers us and gives us the tools and resources to do it. There have been times in the military I was given an assignment, a project, a task to accomplish, sometimes with a very tight timeline, 
very short lead time and did not have the knowledge, skills, or resources to get it done, but I was still expected to get it done. God doesn't do that. God calls us and he empowers us. Whatever God has called you to do for the kingdom, he will give you the power of the king to accomplish. And this begs the question then, what are we called to do and how are we empowered to do it? Well, I have a number of verses I want to go through to kind of give you an idea. I'm sure there are lots more, by the way. You could probably do some research, further research on this. But I just picked out a selection uh, and, and made part of today's sermon. So first off, and I'm just going to go through the verses. You don't uh, need to try to follow along because I won't be spending very much time on each verse. But first we have Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. God has called us to not be silent in the face of injustice. We see it taking place. No matter what color their skin, there, there's, there is a, a movement going now where uh, if the person, if the victim is white, they're less, less likely to, to get sympathy from anybody. But we stand up and speak out for anybody, no matter their race, religion, the color of their skin, their ethnic background. We stand up for anybody. God has empowered us to do this. I do heart because the old heart wanted to self protect. Oh, I can't get involved. I can't speak up. I can't be uh, pointed out as a dissenter. God gives us a new heart, and then we have Scripture as a guide for us. To tell us what injustice is. What it looks like. Tell us what is right and wrong. And of course we have the Holy Spirit also to guide us. Some of these are, are duplicative. Then we have Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. This is similar to one, isn't it? But this one, one is don't be don't be silent. Here we are called to pursue justice for the weakest in our society. We are called to pursue justice for the weakest in our society. So, doing more than just speaking up, we actually actively engage in pursuing justice for those who cannot defend themselves. And God has empowered us to do this by providing us the courage we need to stand up against those who are working evil against others. And what 
fuels that courage, the best thing is that righteous indignation that God gives us, that anger, that sin is being uh, hurt, and, and sin and hurt and wrong is being done to somebody. And we're not going to stand for it. We're not going to deal with it like, we'll just let it go. We're going to put a stop to it and pursue justice for those who are helpless. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. Isn't this the fast I choose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? I've always liked Isaiah 58. It is, I feel like it's an anthem, uh, the charter of Servant's Heart Chapel. Uh, but here we see that we are called to help those who are truly in need. We don't uh, withhold uh, from assisting somebody who is in real need, who really is, has no food, has no clothes, is in a bad, a really bad situation. We step in and we help others. And I'm praying God continues to give us opportunities to do so. And God has empowered us to do this by providing us the material wealth that He gives us. God gives us money to provide for our own needs, but also uh, not just money for hoarding or wasting on things we don't need. but helping others. I like the little, there, there's, there's certain, I like automatic giving. And if I see something I believe in, I might give 20 bucks a month towards that. And I set an automatic, so it just comes out of my checking account you know, every month. I don't think about it. But over the years, that's going to have an impact. That consistent organizations really appreciate consistent giving. Like recently, I, I was um, uh, World News. I, I, I listened to World News and a Christian news organization, and and they're talking about this one organization that. One organization that um, is is helping take care of uh, North Korean Christians. You know, Twenty bucks feeds uh, a, a Christian family in North Korea for a month, and they also do some other things for them too. I'm thinking about joining that. I know our I. Our Bible Methodist connection, we, we've talked about Samaritan's Purse being uh, our, our go-to for if we want to give uh, any money to help people in the Ukraine. And I'm thinking about doing that too. 
There is nothing so fulfilling as being used by God to be a blessing to somebody else in a moment of great need. The next verse is, is Micah 6 8. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what is what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. So we see that God has called us to behave justly, to be faithful, to be humble and has empowered us to do so by loving righteousness, teaching us to love righteousness, teaching us to be selfless, and and God working in our hearts to eradicate the pride in our hearts. Empowered us to fulfill this calling by those three things. Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 through 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We see here that God has called us to seek Him first. Seek God first. Don't be concerned about the future. And God has empowered us to do this by teaching us to trust in Him. If we trust in Him, this will be fulfilling this calling will be easy. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Then He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We see in this verse that God has called us to tell others about Jesus. Whether it's uh, speaking to them a person, somebody you're working with, somebody that you're interacting with, a neighbor, a newspaper uh, person, uh, somebody that you, you, a cashier at the store, you, you, you've developed a relationship, you've gotten to know them, you, opportunities to if anything, hand them a tract, a gospel tract, telling them that Jesus loves them. God has called every one of us to do this and has empowered us to do so with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us. There's a story about uh, a guy who really wanted to be led by God to help somebody. And he prayed and prayed about it. And one day he was, he was coming home from work. And God, he felt very strongly that God wanted him to buy a, a gallon of milk. And that seemed really strange to him. But he obeyed. And then... Uh, he got the gallon of milk and he started heading home again and he felt very strongly that he should turn on a certain street. And he still felt odd about it, like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. 
and, and then he felt strongly to go turn this way, and then, and then he felt very strongly that he should stop in front of this particular house. Very strongly. And he was unsure. He was like, okay, well, I hope, hope I got this right. And so kind of after thinking about it for a fit, bit and getting his courage up, he, he went and, and uh, went to the door and knocked on the door. Woman answered the door, and uh, he said, "Ma'am, I um, God wanted you to have this." And he handed her the gallon of milk, and she began to cry. He said, "Oh, thank you, sir. We didn't have any milk for the baby." We've had no money to buy more. God will use you if you will let him. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Let each one live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him. This is what I command in all the churches. We are called to be content. Be content with our life. Be content where God has put us. Whether good or bad, whether healthy or not healthy, whether rich or poor. Content with the Lord. And God has empowered us to follow this calling by teaching us that he is in fact sovereign over all. God is still in charge. Everything going on in the Ukraine right now, God is still in charge. Everything going on in the U.S. right now, God is still in charge. And so we follow, we pray, we give our concerns to God, and then we give them to God. We turn them over to him. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. We are called to act like a Christian. To live humbly. To be gentle. To be patient. To support others. To keep the peace. All these things, we are called to act like a Christian. Gandhi say, he said uh, that he, he was, and I'm not quoting him exactly, but he was impressed with Jesus, Christians not so much. That's embarrassing. How do we fulfill that calling? 
only through the eradication of carnality and being filled with the Spirit. Otherwise, it's always going to be inside you. There's always going to be pride. There's always going to be meanness. There's always going to be impatience. Always going to be selfishness. It battling inside you as you're as you're still trying to to serve God. God has to get rid of the old man. The Bible calls it. Let's uh, and then there's Philippians two one through four. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility rather consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. We are called to practice selfless love. No matter what. And we're empowered to practice selfless love by fully knowing the selfless love God shows for us. Sinned against God. I have I deserve hell. God forgave me. And God has loved me. And God has cared for me. And God has encouraged me. And God has disciplined me. Not to discouragement, but to encourage me in the right direction. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I take I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. We are called to let go of the past and, and, and work toward the glory God has planned for us. Let go of the past. Every day wake up. And say, it's a new day. God's mercy is new. I'm going to live for the Lord today. I'm going to be pleasing to God today. Because someday I'm going to lay down and that will be the end of it. That will be the end of my life, the end of time. And I will be in the glory of God and be able to shout and praise God. And it will all be over. empower us to do this through his forgiveness he has forgiven us it's as if it never happened no no legal binding whatsoever the slate is wiped clean
1 Thessalonians 4, 7. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. God has called us to live a holy life, to live in obedience to God. And, and, and we are only able to do that. God has empowered us to do that through entire sanctification. Hebrews 3.1 Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. We are called to follow Christ's example. And we're empowered to do so by using the scripture God has given us and following the leading of the Spirit. And then also in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and protector of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are called to lay aside anything that holds us back from following Christ entirely and run with patience the race God has set before us. Let me say that again. According to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we are called to lay aside anything that holds us back from following Christ entirely and run with patience the race God has set before us. There's when, when I run I run half marathons. I haven't run one for quite a while. I want to this year, Lord willing. Uh, when you're in a race, it's interesting. You, you'll start feeling, after a few miles in, no matter how much you've been training, at least for me, I start feeling tired. Like, oh, I don't know. I still got, you know, seven miles to go. Eight miles to go. I'm already getting tired. I'm not going to make it. But then I learned a trick. You just, as you're running, you just tell yourself, you're okay. Because what happens is your, your brain is, is you're running and it freaks the brain out and your brain thinks that, uh, that you're going to kill yourself if you keep running like this. And so it starts telling you you're tired when you're really not. And when you tell yourself you're okay, it's, the, the fatigue goes away for a while. It's really interesting. And so running with patience, I get that. This isn't a sprint. This is an ultra marathon. And so we just take our time moving forward each and every day, not stopping, not laying down. The, uh, the book Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress, Christian got in trouble because he he laid down when he shouldn't have. But just keeping going, keep pressing forward. And God empowers us to follow this calling through the free will He has given us. 
He has given you the power of choice. I can choose this, this thing in my life, whatever it may be, it's hindering my relationship with God. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to eliminate it from my life. Uh, 2 verses 9 through 10 but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light once you were not a people but now you are God's people you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy here we see that we're called to be a priest for Christ an example and a leader for others, no matter what role you serve in a church. Notice that. It's not just me that's supposed to be the example and the leader for others in Christ. It is everybody. We're all supposed to be that for each other and for the world. And we're empowered to do so by our appointment by God. God has appointed us to be priests and ambassadors for him. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 through 16. Peter 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts, regard Christ as the Lord, the Lord is holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience. So that you, when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. We are called to know why we have placed our hope in Christ and why we live morally. And God has empowered us to do this by first, well, by knowing God. The closer your relationship with God, the more uh, real He is to you, the easier it is to always have a reason for the hope you have in Christ. God has answered prayer for you. If you sense God's presence, if you are attuned to the leading of the Spirit, you're all signs you're a close dynamic relationship with God. And the last verse on calling, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Here we see that we're called to serve others with the gifts God gives by the strength God provides. We are called to serve others with the gifts God gives by the strength God provides. And how are we empowered to do that? 
Well, first, God empowers us by providing us those gifts, those talents, those abilities, those skills. And, and, and also giving, providing us wisdom through his teaching and discipline and knowing when to apply these gifts and to whom and how and all that. Well, we're supposed to use uh, what God gives us for the benefit and help of others. As I wrap up, uh, a couple different verses. Mark and Luke also talk about the disciples being ordained, and, and for the most part, each one of them are basically in the same situation. But each one also, one verse, sheds a little bit different light on it. So I just thought I'd quickly... Go to those. So we're going to go to Mark real quick, chapter 3. And it's just verse 13. Chapter 3, verse 13. He went up to the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. That is significant that Matthew doesn't quite mention this, this, this relationship between the summoner and the receiver. These are two actions necessary for us to follow Christ. First, he must summon us. If he didn't summon us, we would be lost without him. The good thing is God calls everyone to repentance. But we also need to We need to follow. And that's where we have the problems. God won't run, chase you down. God will work as long as you're alive. God will work to draw you to Him, but He will not keep trying to chase you down and running after you. It must be your choice to follow Christ. Finally, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Luke says, During those days he went out to a mountain and prayed and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, and he also named them apostles. So here Luke mentions the preparation that Jesus did before he made his choice, before he made the selection. He spent all night in prayer. How many of us have spent any noticeable amount of time in prayer, maybe even fasting in prayer, before a major decision, before something big was coming up in your life or anything going on in your life that you just really need to see God about, let alone all night. I had heard of an ancient tradition uh, where the groom and maybe even the bride too would spend would spend the night uh, night prior before the wedding in prayer. 
And I wish, I thought, I remember thinking, I wish I'd done that. That'd been great. We need to, to focus on God in prayer. We need to seek Him in prayer. And, and, and it's hard to overstate it. I, I could probably, we're getting late, and I don't want to keep going on, but I'd probably preach a whole sermon just on this part. But let's wrap it up. Many are called, but few are chosen. They hear the call. They just don't heed it. I've been reading some songs and poetry in Robert Burns. Robert Burns is an Irish poet from the uh, 1700s. You are actually very familiar with one of his songs. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Right? New Year's Eve. He wrote that. Sadly, Robert Burns was a drunk and uh, just a carouser. He's not a, a, a good man. But there are little bits and pieces. Deep down in his heart, he, he, he knows what's true. And a little tiny piece of him wants to do what's right. He, he writes this, a, a poem. It, it's a title, Epistle to a Young Friend. And he writes, When ranting round in pleasure's ring, religion may be blinded, or if she gets a random sting, it may be little-minded. But when on life we're tempest-driven, a conscious but a canker, a correspondence fixed with heaven, is sure a noble anchor. What was he saying there? Then when you're out and having a blast and partying and doing things that you're kind of ashamed of, uh, and, and, and out there and doing all this stuff, and, and a tiny little piece of your conscience is, is, is a little bit bothering you, but really it's easy to ignore, he's encouraging him to, to pray. Telling this young person, if this is the case in your life, you need to pray and seek God. Robert Burns, I feel like Robert Burns, from my reading of him, he, he heard the call of God at one time in his life and just did not heed it. That I know of. God is calling you today. Are you following? I mentioned a few weeks ago in a sermon that uh, we had a bunch of people that, that Jesus, the parable of the wedding feast and the people make all these excuses not to come to the wedding feast and, and people making excuses today not to heed God's calling. I was, um, years ago, we had a man in our church, young man, who, who was almost persuaded to follow God. He was, he was dedicated, decided, he, he asked me to help him 
get rid of all the things that he knew what was wrong in his life and he wanted to surrender to the Lord and follow after him and he wanted to get baptized and we did and, and we didn't see him again after that for a long time. And I haven't seen him for, I haven't heard from him for well over a year. But someone just recently told me that Well, I already knew that he, he was estranged from his son, has no relationship with his son, and his body is just ravaged by meth use. Past 10 years of Servant's Heart Chapel, there are many examples of this, and it breaks my heart. Please don't be another tragic story that I add to my list. Christ is calling you today and says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am mean and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Follow Christ. You'll never forget it. Let us stand. Well, that's all for today. I hope it was a blessing to you. I do have one more thing to add. Uh, I have recently published a book entitled Stop Poisoning Yourself, Finding Joy in All Circumstances. Few of us realize the impact uh, our thoughts have on our daily lives, how it impacts our emotions, our relationships, including our relationship with God. Uh, in this book, I, I go through, it's a very short, easy-to-read book. I go through what the Bible says about it how and what we can do uh, to eliminate poisonous thoughts in our lives. So to, if you're interested, go check it out on Ken, uh, Amazon Kindle's website. You'll find it there. Just search for Stop Poisoning Yourself by Daryl Underwood. Enjoy your week. Have a wonderful day.